Last week on AutoLine Detroit, we covered the top new cars that have come out this year and especially focused on the ones that made the finalist list for the North American Car of the Year Award. Now, we're going to look at the newest trucks in the market. Joining me today are Michelle Krebs from Edmunds.com and Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press because they, like me, are members of the jury for the North American Truck of the Year Award. It is the only automotive award that is not tied into any kind of advertising or marketing promotion. We call it like it is. We're a jury of nearly 50 journalists from throughout the United States and Canada who work for magazines and newspapers, television and radio stations, newsletters and websites. We report and write on cars for all different kinds of audiences, enthusiasts, commuters, families, even executives. In other words, we consider all kinds of car buyers when we select the North American Truck of the Year. Even though the jury has already voted on which truck should get the award, we don't know who won. That announcement will be made at the press conference that kicks off the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. So stick around, because today on AutoLine, we're talking about the best new trucks that are in the market right now. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Daily, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get your all-access pass to the automotive industry at AutolineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to AutoLine Detroit. We're talking all about the North American Truck of the Year Award. And coming in to help me talk all about that are Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press. Great having you here, Mark. Thank you, John. And Michelle Krebs from Edmunds.com. Great having you here, too. Yeah. So we know who the finalists are. We've, we've driven dozens and dozens of vehicles in the truck category. The Chevrolet Equinox made the finalists. The Ford Transit connected. So did the Subaru Outback. But, uh, well, Michelle, I guess I'll talk with you first on this. Are these really trucks? Well, no, they're not. But uh, trucks are becoming a smaller part of the market because people aren't dri driving them for pleasure anymore. They're strictly for work trucks anymore. Well, a, a truck is whatever the, the owner thinks it is. I mean, honestly, people who owned you know, Ford Explorers used them like station wagons, but they were trucks. And the, the Chevy Equinox used for exactly the same stuff. The people who buy it think, they're uh, station think wagons. it's a truck. They're, they're really station wagons, yeah. although I guess we should explain for everybody watching that as far as the government is concerned, these are right. officially classified as trucks, yep. so that's why they're as in the truck the category. Cruiser the PT Cruiser was uh, a truck as well, yeah. Uh, Michelle, are you surprised that, let's start with the Chevrolet Equinox, surprised that that made the finalist list? Not at all, not at all surprised, uh, the, the mileage alone. Uh, I think that what struck, struck me about all of them is they're very value-priced vehicles. You mean the three finalists the we just mentioned, finalists. the Equinox, the Transit right. Connect, and the They're the all Super in that twenty to $23,000 starting range, and I think that's been the story of this past year, uh, value, and uh, I think it'll be the story going forward. Of course, I know people who bought houses for $20,000 years ago. I'm sure they're saying, what do you mean $20,000 is a value? But, but by today's by prices, today's that's almost inexpensive. Almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for the, what these vehicles do. And compared to the other things on the list as well. I mean, mm -hmm. We've got a lot of luxury crossovers that you, know, you sneeze and they're you know, $50,000. 
So what do you make of what Michelle just pointed out, Mark, that all these are priced in the low 20s? Is, is the, what we, the jury, are saying now is that uh, value is what really counts? Yeah, well, and, and the jury in general puts a you know, high value on value. I mean, things that are affordable, things that are sold to the, to the public in general, you know, we tend to give a lot of credit because it's harder to build a great vehicle for 23000 bucks than it is for 70, 80, or 90. Um, another part of what's going on with these and, and part of the value equation, I think, is that all three of the finalists, the Equinox, Transit Connect, and Outback, are very fuel efficient. And, and that plays into the value, the insecurity that people are buying. They don't feel like taking a chance these days. Especially the Equinox. Isn't that the, got the highest highway rating of the three here? What's that at? 30, I believe 32 miles a 32 gallon. is what I was going to say, right. The highest in its segment of you know crossover SUVs, small crossover SUVs, by a wide margin. Uh, it's three or four miles a gallon better on the highway than a Toyota RAV4, which is really kind of a breathtaking accomplishment for Chevrolet when you think about it. Yeah, for Chevy to be able to say, boy, we're really beating Toyota when it comes to fuel economy, that is a statement. Okay, Michelle, it's got a lot of value, gets good fuel economy. What else did you like about the Chevy Equinox? Uh, it, it was a huge step up for Chevrolet from the, the vehicle it replaced. Um, and isn't that something, I know I as a juror, and isn't absolutely. that something the jury looks for is who's really moved the needle here? Absolutely, and, and I think that certainly did, especially for Chevrolet. It, it really moved them up a lot. Anything that sticks out in your mind about what you liked about the Equinox? Value, comfort, practicality. It, it's a good vehicle to drive as well. I, I mean, it, it's you know, as, as enjoyable as anything that big and boxy is going to get. Uh, but mostly it's just, it's a ton of value. The amount of stuff you can put in it and carry around at, at a very reasonable price is, you know, nothing else in its segment beats it right now. The other thing is GM can't make enough of them. And, and when have we heard that story this past year? I mean, they, they've added a third shift to the plant. So, you, you, you know, the public has certainly had a lot to say in this too. And to an extent, that validates GM's idea of going back to the four core brands. We're going to do fewer vehicles, but every one we do is going to be really good. And the fact that you know Chevrolet is the brand they expect to do the real heavy lifting in terms of volume sales, the Equinox is, is a very good sign for them that you know they're on the right track. A couple of things that stood out in my mind with uh, the Equinox is it's a good-looking vehicle. I think it's, it's well-styled. It also passes what I call the 100-yard test. There are certain vehicles that I get in and if I drive 100 yards and it really stands out, I know that's going to be a good vehicle. And I mean literally just driving out of the studio parking lot here and going down the street, and within 100 yards I can tell this is a good car. Mm -hmm. And that one, the Chevrolet Equinox, did it for me. And, you know, some cars I need to be in a few days and really get the sense of how they feel and all that before I can really judge it. Mm -hmm. This one hit the 100-yard test. Uh, the other thing I liked about the Equinox a lot is it's got a four-cylinder engine in it, but with a six-speed automatic transmission, and it drives really well. That's the one that gets the 32 miles per gallon on the highway. And in the past, in what is a relatively large vehicle, you know, almost looks like an SUV, uh, to put a four-cylinder in a vehicle like that would have been the kiss of death from a driving enjoyment standpoint. Not the case in the Equinox. It really drives well. I also really liked the interior styling, the interior appointments. I thought they did a pretty good job on it. Now, I got to say, the one that I drove had all the bells and whistles on it. It had a $33,000 price tag, and to me it was like, youch, that's pricey for a Chevy. It is, but... It starts off, you know, as, as Michelle was saying, you know, under 23 grand, and it's pretty nicely equipped in a vehicle that you can be proud of at that price because, as you were saying, it looks good. 
It's distinctive, and it also passes the 100-yard eye test, I think. You can tell what it is. You can recognize it as an Equinox and as a Chevrolet. And about the fuel economy and performance you were talking about, the six-speed automatic transmission is a huge thing, but I think that you know, GM deserves quite a bit of credit for the direct injection of fuel in, in the four-cylinder because that's part of how they get the power you need and the fuel economy. And to their credit, the engine hits its you know, fuel economy numbers and its power output using regular gas. And a lot of people that have gone to direct injection require premium. And you know, that's a, a significant expense at 20, miles, 20 cents a gallon over the course of a year. Great point. Okay, let's go to the next vehicle on the list. Michelle, I'll come back to you on this one. Ford Transit Connect. It's a segment buster, and the, the jury always loves a segment buster. Um, and explain what you mean by segment well, buster. Well, it's something new in a category. Um, there ain't nothing else it, like it on the street. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's a small cargo van, perfect for cities like Los Angeles and New York. Um, it's actually fun to drive. It's, it's a fun little vehicle. Uh, and I think there's th some improvements that Ford should make. If they're going to be the safety leader, I think they need to put a, a It's got some blind spots. It needs a, a backup camera. It needs a, a lane departure uh, system like they put on other vehicles. But uh, I think it's really clever. Mark, what's your evaluation? I, I adore it. Uh, it's, it's everything Michelle said and more. I mean, this kind of small utility van is the dominant player for you know, for small businesses in, in Europe. Everybody has got one for deliveries, for plumbing, you know, gardening, all that kind of thing, because it's so fuel efficient, it's so easy to park. If you had a bakery, a coffee shop, whatever here, you needed to buy, before the Transit Connect came along, you needed to buy a Ford Econoline, a Chevy Express, a big van that is a lot more weight to carry around than you need, a whole lot more fuel that you use. I mean, this at, at 22 miles a gallon in the city, the, the, the Transit Connect is going to save small business people so much money just on fuel. And there is nothing else like it. it. It it needs to be improved, no question. The interior fit and finish is atrocious. But we should it's point got out no that this is made in Turkey and is right. imported, yes. just so nobody says, hey, those UAW workers are no good. No, That's it's, true. it's made in Turkey. Absolutely. <laughs> and it is the exact same interior that you know, has made it the uh, truck of the year in Europe, uh, where it's been extremely successful. It is a commercial vehicle, so it, it's competing with UPS vans, basically, rather than Lexuses in terms of fit and finish. But still, the fit and finish needs to get better. And that's one of the things that, I mean, we have to assume that Fiat is going to bring in a, a vehicle like this for, for the Dodge Ram brand. If the Transit Connect uh, does well, Chevrolet will bring in one from GM's Opel unit in Europe. There's going to be a real fast curve of improvement where this vehicle is concerned if people buy it. And I think small pe business people are going to buy it in droves. Well, and then one of the reasons they will is because it so, uh, can be customized so much for every business. Our local pizza parlor uses them for delivery trucks. You know, florists are a great example. All, uh, there's all kinds of uses for it. I think people will buy them for personal uses as well. Look, when I first saw the Transit Connect two years ago, Ford showed us uh, the thing then, I said, wow, this is the vehicle they need to go after the Scion XB. This has got the capability of being a cult, cult. car yep. out mm -hmm. there for passengers. I'm not right. talking the cargo yep. version right Camping, now. Camping, all kinds and, of things. And the fact that it's, what, $22,000 right. base price, something like that, right. to your point again, highly affordable. When I test drove it, everywhere I went, people were like, oh, my gosh, what is that thing? This thing's so cool. Look at the mm -hmm. way it looks and everything. And to your point, segment buster. There's nothing else like it on the street. Yep. The, the criticisms that I have of it, yeah, I think they could upgrade the interior. 
But I went into it with the set of eyes that said, look, they use this in Europe as a delivery van. So don't try to evaluate it as a passenger vehicle from the appointment standpoint. But it only comes with a four-speed automatic transmission. I will hasten to add that that transaxle is made in Sterling Heights, Michigan. So there is Michigan content on that thing. But a four-speed these days is not up to snuff. You've got to have a five or a six-speed. And because of that, since it only comes in this country with a four-cylinder gasoline engine, Pretty buzzy, very noisy. You gotta really jam on the gas pedal to get the thing to move. I think if Ford were to put a six-speed automatic in this thing and a small turbo diesel, so that we're not saying, oh my gosh, look at how good the fuel economy is, we'd be going, oh my God, can you believe how good the fuel economy is? I think if they put in a six-speed automatic and a small turbo diesel, they would not be able to build enough of them. Segment buster, almost in the original Mustang sense. I'm not saying that it's right. gonna sell 400,000 a year, but. I think they've got a real opportunity here to, uh, to do some improvements, the backup camera and, and, and these things, because to your point, Mark, you're right. If this thing sells, Chrysler via Fiat is going to be hot on their heels. GM, thanks to Opel, is going to be hot on their heels as well. And, and you have to figure if it sells, Ford will decide to you know, build it somewhere in North America. And that will give them the chance to come up with some of the improvements that you're talking about. And, and the six-speed automatic, you're right, I mean, that's would make it a segment buster plus. And you know, there's a key way that Ford could take some cost out because as you guys know, if you import a truck to the United States, it's faced with a 25% import tariff. So Ford puts seats in the thing, puts in side glass to the thing, and then they ship it to a place, where is it, in Kansas or Oklahoma? I think the port of entry is Baltimore and they rip the seats no, out. No, but they, right I, there, I thought I they shipped it somewhere else. I could be wrong on this, but you're right. They rip the seats out, they break the glass out, they put steel in the doors, and now it's a cargo vehicle, which otherwise would have a 25% tax on it. So with some of those shenanigans out of the way, I think and you can take some. And all the shipping costs. And yeah. the shipping. You can and, take and, some cost and out. And they don't even bother shipping the seats back to the factory and using them again in the next bunch. They just get broken down and recycled here, mm -hmm. which frankly is, is sort of shockingly wasteful, Right, I think. I, I mean, th that's definitely an area where there's room for improvement. Yeah. Okay, next one on the list. Michelle, Subaru Outback. It made the finalist list as well. Well, I think this one, this one was the, I think we knew Equinox and Transit Connect. Um, and I think the third one was always up for grabs. Uh, so Outback was a bit of a surprise, although if you look at what Subaru has done in the past year, it's they're having record sales, record sales for individual. They don't models. even know there's a recession exactly, going on. Exactly, exactly. So I give them great points for for bucking the trend. And Mark, what do you make of uh, the Outback? Well, I mean, first of all, Subaru is one of just two or three brands that has actually seen its sales go up this year. So there's no question they're doing stuff right. The, the Outback is a great improvement over the previous vehicle, and the previous vehicle had a, lo a loyal following in, in, you know, in itself. You know, like Michelle, I was a bit surprised. I, I knew Equinox Transit Connect would be two of the finalists. Couldn't have guessed what the third was. I, I think part of the reason that I think the Subaru Outlook benefited, excuse me, Outback benefited a little bit from the fact that there were a lot of luxury crossovers that probably divided votes. Because, I, I mean, the Volvo XC60, the Cadillac SRX, Audi Q5 are all very good vehicles as well. And, you know, they, they were fighting for the same voters. Uh, the Outback is, it, it plays in a different space. It's got a loyal following. And it's a, it's a very good improvement of a vehicle that was already well-liked. See, I didn't think it was that big of a step forward over the, the, the current generation Outback. Uh, 
I did like the new one a lot, however. Everything just seems so tight and neat and tidy. You just get in there, snick, snack, snack. You know, everything just worked from the get-go. I didn't have to think, how do I do this or how do I do that? Very intuitive. I liked the way the vehicle drive. I thought it got good fuel economy. I thought it was very affordable. I didn't think it moved the needle a whole lot over the prior version. So to me, yeah, I guess I'd be a little bit surprised but this one so was But it's so right there. for the time. It's practical. It's value-oriented. And I really believe that a lot of people are going to Subaru because it's an alternative to uh, higher uh, gas-guzzling SUVs. You get all-wheel drive, um, but in a car package that's more economical. You know, I asked the folks at Subaru, what's the secret to your success? Because they even had a good year last year mm -hmm. as well when the market really started to crash. And they said, you know what? A uh, couple of years back, before everything got upset, they said, we really went in and looked at what are our vehicles really selling for? So Nutslat put on a big price and then all these discounts. Right. Let's price it for what people are actually paying. So they repriced everything and they took about $1,500 to $2,000 off the sticker price and the rest is history. They've seen absolutely no downturn in sales. And that's part of the whole honesty, authenticity part of uh, Subaru, I think. And you mentioned one that I liked a lot, and I wish it had made the finalist list, uh, the Volvo XC60. Uh, I just, as soon as I sat in the car, I just went, oh, I feel like I'm home. This is just so comfortable. That passed the 100 uh, yeah. yard test for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that lovely vehicle. Yeah, they nailed it. I, I'm not a fan of the XC90, the big SUV from Volvo. I think it's just too big, too ponderous. The XC60 feels like everything a Volvo SUV should be. And it's got some really terrific new safety equipment on it as well. I mean, it, it, radar, you know, collision uh, avoidance that, that will... Explain uh, that a little bit, you know, so, so the viewers know exactly what you're talking it, about. It basically, it, it is a, a radar signal, you know, mounted in the front, and it sends out signals, and it figures if you are closing on another vehicle so quickly that uh, you may end up, that you may run into it. The first thing it does is, you know, beep at you and flash a light to get your attention, and then if, if you know, you still, you know, don't do anything, oh, and, and when it does that, it pre-charges the brakes so that as soon as you touch the brakes, you've got full force stopping, and that makes a huge difference. And if you do all of that, if it sends all those messages and you don't do anything, it will brake very slightly for you before the collision so that at least the, the impact is mitigated. Um, it, it's, and it's the first to market with this. Absolutely. Something that automatically breaks the vehicle for you so that you don't get in an accident. Yep. Or hopefully don't get in yep. an accident. And, and, and if you are in one, it is you know, guaranteed that it will be less violent, less likely to cause injury. Uh, it takes you know, Volvo's you know, reputation you know, for safety that they earned over so many decades new, to a new place. And it looks great. Mm -hmm. And it's fun yeah. to drive. Yeah. One thing, I, and we'll get on to the next one, I love the seats in that car. They're just mm -hmm. so big and wide and comfortable. It's like sitting in an easy chair, not in the seat of a car. I, I thought it was terrific. Volvo's got an orthopedic surgeon on staff to advise their seat designers, and it, and it pays off. Well, they listen to them, absolutely. A, a vehicle that didn't surprise me at all, not making the finalist list, Michelle, was the Acura ZDX. What, what's your reaction I, to that I totally vehicle? don't understand that vehicle. The, the other thing to that and to the cross tour, and we won't agree on this, but the Lincoln MKT, I, I thought they were a trio of very homely vehicles. And ugly. It, it, you won't say. Okay, <laughs> ugly. Uh, I, just... I couldn't vote for an ugly car. See, the thing I didn't like about the ZDX, I don't know if either one of you got in the back seat, oh. but there's two things. When you open the back door, it comes to a very sharp point that is about eye level for most people. And I said, boom, somebody's going to bang against that and poke their eye out. 
The other thing is I had to fold up like a contortionist to get into the back seat. I could not clear my head over the roof rail. And I thought, you know, this is a fairly large vehicle that has absolutely unusable rear seat space. Because even when you got in it, there was no headroom back there. And I, I just found that very weird. You know, Acura being part of Honda, Honda's usually so practical that to come out with a vehicle that was impractical shocked me. But, but I found that true with the, cross, the Honda uh, Cross Tour. I tried, to use, I tried to fold down the back seats to use while the wheel wells come in. You can't lay things flat. For such big vehicles, not particularly um, practical. You make a great point there because I liked the Cross Tour overall. I thought it was very quick. I, I, I liked the way it went around. But you're absolutely right. When you tried to lay that back seat down and put stuff mm -hmm. in there, so there wasn't. The a, it was very long. Yeah, if you had long. long, narrow things to put right. in the back, no problem. But if anything was semi-wide, you couldn't get anything back there. Right, right. We tried to put a treadmill and didn't work. <laughs> put it in a Scion XB instead. <laughs> And Mark, what do you make of uh, the Lincoln MKT? I, I have to say, I like it. I mean, the, the styling is polarizing. And that is a good thing if you're a brand like Lincoln that most people have forgotten exists. I mean, I, I showed it to a couple of people that I think are in the you know, very cool, pretty rich buying segment that Lincoln wants to, to attract. Because I thought the grill was just entirely over the Looked top. like the cow catcher of an old locomotive yeah. to me. Yeah. Or as you know, Ford uses the term bow wave, like the, the, the water mm -hmm. spreading in front of the bow of a, of a speedboat, like that as either. But I, I showed it to a couple of people in the, in the target demographic and I said, I, I like the overall shape a lot. I love the interior, a number of other things about it. This grill, eh, not so sure. And they both were all over it. They said, that is going to announce that this is a new kind of car, and that's what I want. We'll see how many of those there are. Well, and, and the, the thing that Ford appears to have done smartly is move to a business model where they don't have to sell 150,000 of these to make money. I mean, if they can get you know, 40,000 uh, people a year to buy this, they're probably going to ro be rolling in money. And it is, it, it, like the Ford Flex which, with which it shares its chassis, it's very satisfying to drive. It feels I like a much driving. smaller vehicle. It's got the EcoBoost, EcoBoost. Uh, uh, engine, which is dynamite. And, and, and a very interior. nice interior, yeah. Um, the, the styling is very polarizing, but if you're Lincoln right now, a polarizing exterior is way better than one that nobody notices. The other thing I loved about it was its self-parking feature, because I had tried to use the Lexus one, and I'll tell yeah. you, I could not get that thing to work to save my life. But, you know, we decided to get the cameras out and show how this thing would work, and it worked like a dream. So I said, you know, because we parked two other cars on either side of it to create a parking space. And I said, let's move each car up a foot. Did it again. Let's move each car up a foot. And we just kept doing it until, I mean, that thing was just barely squeezing in there, but it got it's squeezed brilliant. in. It's brilliant. Yeah, it and really it's, worked well. Well, and it's faster as well as more accurate than the Lexus system. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is so precise that every time I used it to, to parallel park, I, I was you sort of wincing because I thought it was cutting it so close that it was going to tap the bumper of the car in front of me, but it never did. It, never it is disconcerting really to just it let it do its thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, we're running out of time here. Let's uh, finish up Cadillac SRX. You know, nice. It's not the, the same as the previous SRX. Um, pricey. I think that's why I didn't make the cut. Um, I know you like it. I, I like it a lot. I think that it, Volvo XC60, Audi Q5 all suffered from the fact that they were dividing votes that were cast for the same reasons. They're all really, really good, sporty, small luxury SUVs. And, you know, which one are you going to pick? Yeah, which and one see, are you going to I liked pick? the Audi Q5. Yeah. I loved driving that. That was, for me, that first 50 meters was just 
divine. That's great. Well, look, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in a minute because I'm going to put these two on the spot, and I want them to give me their prediction as to which truck will win the North American Truck of the Year. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to us talking all about the North American Truck of the Year Award. And now I'm going to put both of you on the spot, Mark. I'm going to start with you. Which truck will win the Truck of the Year Award? Ford Transit Connect. Okay, good choice. And Michelle, where are you going? It's going to be close, Chevy Equinox or Transit Connect, but I'll say Transit Connect. Okay, I, I agree with you. I think it is going to be close between the two of them, but I'm going to be slightly dissenting, and I'll guess that the jury will go with the Chevrolet Equinox. But Thanks for your predictions. Hey, join us again next week when we do a preview of the North American International Auto Show. And joining me for that program will be Guy Gordon from Channel 4 WDIV here in Detroit, Sarah Webster from the Detroit Free Press, and Jim Hall from 2953 Analytics. Hey, thanks for watching this show. We'll see you next week.